0: Hello, and welcome to Useful Idiots uh, Monday Morning Media Fails call-in. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us um, here. Katie Halper is here with uh, Aaron Maté, and we're going to be taking your calls. Uh, make sure you uh, share this. Let people know that you're doing this right now on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, so we can get a very lively chat. It's always a great time. So uh, we're going to take our first caller, Brian. And Brian, you just need to unmute yourself by hitting up oh, there you are.
1: All, all right. right. Good morning, guys. Good morning. I just watched the show over there. You guys always keep me in stitches. I, I love the, uh, the banter back and forth. Thanks. Yeah. Plus, plus Aaron's uh, eyes and your hair, it just makes it all so much bearable Monday morning. Killer time. Uh, no,
2: you know, listen, I can reveal this exclusively. We're actually in, in, in talks with Barbie, the makers of Barbie <laughs> and Mattel. To patent our body features, so Katie's going to supply the hair, and I, I'm, and I'm going to supply the eyes. That's that's a that's a uh, exclusive we're revealing right now. So yeah. Thanks to everyone who supported us with those positive comments, it made a difference. Yeah.
0: So stand by for that, and anyone who's good at like uh, uh, Photoshop should make a Barbie with my hair and Aaron's eyes. That would be amazing to see what that looked
2: like. Please objectify us. That's uh, that, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Objectify. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh. Huh.
1: We'll, we'll look for that at the Toys R Us, the Barbie.
2: Yes.
3: <laughs>
1: All right. Hey, I just wanted to mention, um, I, I worked for an airline, and there's only one of them that uh, passed this vaccine mandate. I was there 25 years and uh, find myself without a job now. But um, I just wanted to ask you if there's anything that you guys have heard uh, about these mandates, any other companies that have uh, uh, kind of gone back, because the thing with United was, that they actually asked all their employees to come back, even not being vaccinated, after they were on the street for six months with no pay. You know, so I'm just wondering if you have heard of any other companies that have kind of gone back on there. That was really my question.
2: Well, listen, first of all, I'm sorry that happened to you. And um, I, uh, I really hate that policy. You know, at first when... I didn't know so much about COVID, you know, I thought maybe it's, you know, I was willing to entertain the notion that maybe it was necessary, but the more information we got, the more, in my opinion, sadistic that policy was to punish people for not getting a vaccine that um, doesn't even stop the spread. I mean, I think that's, that's been established now too, that really the vaccine is a personal choice. If you, it you know, the studies show it does help protect people individually, but that's, Their choice to make for themselves and um so i thought these mandates were horrible and an an assault on working people so i'm sorry that you were a casualty of that have you been looking for other have you been looking for work in other airlines and like what kind of response have you gotten
1: um actually i haven't uh here's the funny part well i guess ironic Uh, i was actually injured in the end of july and then they passed the mandate in august so I was injured at work. I fell from an airplane. Oh my gosh! On the gro- yeah, on the ground, but not. And um, so I was out of work. I was injured, and then you know, so uh, I actually was forced to retire or lose my pension, job, and everything. But a lot Jeez. of these, yeah, a lot of these people, they were on the street for six months, and then the company asked them to come back. And I believe it was March or April of this year. And I don't know how many went back, but just seems like an incredible slap in the face that, you know, we're really shorthanded now. We really need you. Please come back. So, yeah, I was just wondering if you'd heard of any other companies that did that because it was kind of, you know, they didn't even really uh, stick with what they believed, supposedly.
2: Yes, the science has shifted. It has. I mean, or what is described as a science. And look, even the way we've looked at COVID, I think, was really drastically changed when Russia invaded Ukraine. I think that was a big factor in just changing things. And a lot of the requirements that we previously had stuck to being abandoned. I just noticed a real shift after that. Maybe it was just coincidence that that's when things changed on COVID. But um, it does seem like things have been very arbitrary. And just, I mean, however you feel about all this stuff. And, you know, there's been some splits about this on, on the left in my circles. I, personally, I'm vaccinated and I, I trust the vaccines. And I think the evidence shows that they, they do protect people. But uh, to force people to inject them, I just think is – and to punish them with their – with the loss of their livelihoods, I think that's insane. And especially, you know, we were simultaneously hearing that there's a huge, you know, um, drain on the medical system. But yet thousands of medical workers were fired because they didn't get vaccinated. So how does that make sense? You know, it, it doesn't to me at least. And I – so – I so look, I, I haven't followed it that closely, so I can't really answer your question, but I just, um, no I think it
1: no, sucks. no worries, no worries. And and from my last point on that, and then I'm gonna move on, I just wanted to uh, say that I, I was a mechanic, uh, and so I work outside sometimes in very remote areas. You know, at, at Boston Logan, it was like the airport was out, like almost in the ocean, so I was very remote. It wasn't like I was working in close quarters in an office next to somebody else, but. Yeah, so that was really the only point I wanted to make. Listen, I want to move on and let other callers have a chance, but thank you guys so much for what you do, and I listen all the time wherever you guys are, and keep up the great work. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Thank Bye you, bye-bye. Brian.
0: Okay. Andrew.
4: Hey, Katie. Yeah.
0: Hey. How you
4: doing? Good. Um, yeah, good to hear you. I, I had a question if you two wanted to comment on, um, in general, the Democrats' fundraising tendencies and and how they're kind of marketing themselves. Uh, but there's actually a little bit I wanted to read from. I saw a Facebook ad from this guy, Admiral Mike Franken, uh, from the U.S. Navy. He's running for, um, for Congress in Iowa. Uh, he's going to run against. I don't know if that's Congress or Senate, but it doesn't really matter. Um, But he was talking about, uh, um, as, as the commander of military forces in East Africa, I asked the American Forces Network to replace Fox News during meal hours for troops. They were harmful to America's outreach overseas. They put our troops in jeopardy and made my job harder. Um, if I defeat Chuck Grassley and turn Iowa blue this November, I'll be the most senior military person ever elected to the United States Senate. It's about time we had more people in leadership who understand the true costs of war and disinformation. Um, he goes on a little bit later, uh, to say that, um, basically he wants to remove, or maybe it was earlier in a different ad, but he wants to remove, um, any, any chances of victory for the Trump wings of the Republicans because, RussiaGate. He's still real hardcore pushing Russia RussiaGate. So you see this guy's. Um, I, I don't know. I see him kind of like as a round two of let's try the disinformation board again, and also blue support the troops. But like he's not the troops. He's the he's the asshole who's pushing uh, spreadsheets that's getting people killed in East Africa and you know you know all all manner of terrible things involved with Africom. Um, so I'm just curious, your both of your thoughts, I mean, do these people really, I, I don't really see that the, even the Democratic base that does still believe in Russiagate, I don't see them getting really jazzed up about these type of people. Um, I don't really see like a recovery for the Democrats in 2022, for sure. Um, but just in general, what about like other kind of gross advertising things you've seen or like the chances of success trying to market yourself off of Russiagate or as like the I'm the I'm the military officer the Democrats
2: should want type of a campaign because I've seen a couple other people run that way yeah well look that speaks to how increasingly chauvinist and militaristic Democrats have gotten in the Russiagate era because Russiagate was predicated on believing that Russia controls the U.S. conspired with the president is brainwashing Americans and that the CIA and the FBI are heroes so naturally, you're going to adopt in that situation a much more you know, chauvinist, jingoistic posture. So no, no wonder ads like that are propping up. And you know, I haven't followed advertisements so closely, so I, I I don't have any more examples. But just look at the fact that the Squad and Bernie and every other congressional progressive voted for the Ukraine proxy war bill, forty billion dollars, and only Corey Bush bothered to put out a statement explaining it. And that just speaks to how powerful Russia gate was in enlisting Democrats in the um, priorities that I talked about you know escalating the war with Russia and treating the CIA as as heroes so we're going to see that stuff continue for sure yeah I
4: I I know we'll see it continue I guess I'm just I guess I'll just have to wait and see if it, If we're going to get, you know, even if the Democrats get washed, if we see like five new super Russia Gate Democrats, going to have to pay closer eye to them.
2: Look, the problem is there's no one willing to to break from it. Even Bernie Sanders, who was victimized by Russia Gate, recall in the 2020 primary, after he spent four years basically paying lip service to Russia Gate, even introducing a measure to get every senator to accept the claims of the U.S. intelligence community about supposed Russian interference. He got Russiagated. <laughs> they used it to undermine him. And still, he still is deferential to it. He wouldn't even challenge the Russia-gating of himself, really. So the, if there's no one to break from it, it's just going to uh, continue. And, you know, the, the mantra will rem, uh, remain in the words of Nancy Pelosi. This is like one of the top things she, she repeated during the Trump years. She said, all roads lead to Putin. And that's certainly the road the Democrats are continuing to follow. It's yeah. crazy. Can I
4: ask one more um, quick question about Bernie, actually, and and his deference to the, the party or to the ruling class writ large? Um, you know, somebody like Jimmy Dore would say and, and others, I think Chris Hedges has said the same, that basically Bernie doesn't want to end up like Ralph Nader and be kind of vilified and blamed for Trump, even though there's really nothing he could do about that. I think they're going to anyways. But I was talking to Brianna on her show the other day, her show the other day. <laughs> and um, she she actually said, you know, she's not 100% sure if she buys that argument that Bernie just wants to protect his legacy because he's already old as shit. Um, and he already has a pretty solid legacy kind of pre 2020 campaign. And I think that had he taken a a stronger stance in the opposite direction he would certainly be remembered more favorably um maybe eventually like sort of a eugene debs um and brianna speculated who's that maybe huh
0: who's one of his big heroes by the way
4: exactly yeah and and um i think that brianna was speculating that maybe there's some really uh hardcore i don't she didn't say this exactly but i was interpreting it as like JFK, Bobby Kennedy, MLK type of threats, if you get my meaning, um, and also she was she mentioned uh, Corey Bush in that respect. Not that I think either of you have like inside information, but what's your take on that being a, a likelihood, or what's your your individual takes on Bernie's um, kind of cow- cowering uh, before the the?
2: Well, the you know what? I'm going to blame I'm going to blame Matt Duss. Matt Duss is Bernie's foreign policy advisor, and he. You know, he has some progressive views on foreign policy, like on Palestine. He's really good. He's become very good. Uh, even though, by the way, he wants to attack Max Blumenthal's uh, book, Goliath, because Max was saying all the things about Palestine that... Max Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he wrote a review basically equating Max's book, Goliath, about Israel with some like super far-right racist Zionist book, saying that basically they're they're the same um thing just on on opposite sides it's, it's so i mean but he's he's walked that back so what i'm saying is in my opinion matt dust is an opportunist who will go where the winds blow and now it's cool to support palestine you kind of like you kinda, it's kind of impossible to call yourself a progressive and st- and and not support basic palestinian rights because it's good to, just because it's so obvious the crimes of israel can't be hidden anymore so he's good on that but on many other things, including the proxy war in Ukraine, he just wrote a long article in the New Republic basically saying the Biden administration is doing an amazing job on Ukraine. We should support the proxy war. There really is no realistic diplomatic solution. And he goes out of his way to attack uh, the gray zone, which which I work for, um, and calls us a bunch of names and all this stuff. So I blame Matt Duss um, for being for giving Bernie bad advice. That's, that's the... Because I don't know what's in Bernie's head. And, you know, I do recognize that politicians are in a different game. It's really hard to operate in that world. Bernie's priorities are obviously domestic. He's not a big foreign policy guy. He cares about taking on the millionaires, the billionaires. He wants to see social programs. I get all that. So I understand, you know, that he's going to make compromises. I get that. But when you have something like the Ukraine Proxy Wars, to me is so antithetical to everything that I think Bernie stands for. And, and that is, feeds into a narrative that was used to directly attack him. I just can't explain it, and I'd love to see him explain it, but the problem is he hasn't released a statement about it. The only hint of his thinking comes via Matt Dess's point of view, but I don't even want to assume, actually, that Bernie agrees fully with his, with his foreign policy aid. I just do think he's taking the wrong advice.
0: Yeah, uh, I think Bernie is scared of empowering Trump. That's
2: the only thing I'd add. Right on. I'll say this, though. Yeah, I'll say this. You know, if if Trump was in power and was overseeing a $40 billion proxy war bill, which no matter what Trump says, I think he would have, although it's counterfactual, we'll never know. I'm sure Trump in power would have bowed to Lindsey Graham and the neocons in his cabinet and and done this. Uh, Then I think Bernie probably would have voted against it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I have to assume that, and the squad yeah. too. Um, but that also doesn't lead to very um, pleasant conclusions because, like, so does that mean that we need to have Republicans in power right. for Democrats to vote the right way? It's, that's a scary thought. But anyway, uh, thank you for the call. Okay, Sam. Okay. <clears throat> Katie, you have to bring people yeah. in. Right
5: okay. okay, Sam. Hey guys, I hope your Monday's going great. Um it's always an excellent episode. Thank you. Uh, I love I love what you said about like the congressman coming up. It's uh, at least I would say though, at least he comes out of like he goes to a public place. I I've lived where I'm at in in uh in New Jersey in Edgewater. I've never seen my congressman like once. I I don't even know if he exists or it's just we, we just have to believe that he's he, he exists, and then it becomes reality. So at least you have somebody coming out that says, hey, I'm here. And it's like, oh, you are real. Never heard from you. I don't know what your policies are, but I guess you do exist. Um, I'll make it quick, but uh, you guys have to do um, a PSA next time when you take a Monday off. Because I, I tried watching those Sunday shows, and... It, It's 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 so many side effects, nausea, vomiting. I mean, you have to do like a PSA, like warning. If you watch these on your own, it has the equivalent of like eating 10 White Castle sliders or Taco Bell. Right. You got to do a bigger PSA next time. I mean, I'm not blaming you guys directly, but I mean, you did kind of ruin my Monday. I'd have to say
0: we need more of a warning.
5: (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I just want to say it was a great show as always, and uh, I'll, I'll buy my time for everyone else.
0: Thank you so much. Thank Thank you you for calling in. Okay, Elise, or Elise.
5: Hi. Hi. Um, I just had a question about if you guys actually care about Biden, because I know nobody does. So. (laughs) What do you mean, care about him? Like with all the stuff that he's done or tried to do, that just grosses me out
2: what do you what do you care about when it comes to biden
5: um well i know a lot of people are like saying sorry i have a really bad connection um i know a lot of people are saying that he tried to take away guns which stupid um but he is I I think he's also um trying to like increase the number of solar panels in the US. Um So I was just wondering if you guys like like him or not.
0: Well, the solar panels. You want, you want to go Aaron? I cut you. Off. Go ahead,
2: Katie. Go ahead. I
0: mean, solar panels are good. Um I think I mean, I think that we are pretty consistently critical of him for uh, everything from foreign policy to domestic stuff. Um, you know, he ran as the guy who could get things done, who could work, reach across the aisle. He, pre- you know, he presented Bernie as this um, idealist who couldn't get anything done and what lo and behold, he can't get anything done. So um, yeah, not a big Biden fan. At all, To start yeah. or now terrible legacy okay well thanks bye oh okay aaron anything you want to add oh wait aaron left by accident one second let me add him back in sorry everyone see what oh no he's there wait is he there hold on invite to speak
2: okay uh yeah i'm not a biden fan that's breaking news everybody breaking news. I'm not a Biden fan. Never have been. I mean, look, you know, personally, the fact that he stutters, um, I have some sympathy there because I stutter too. I have a childhood stutter. And so, you know, fellow stutterers might have more empathy for the other than other people. But aside from that, I mean, look at his career and it's, I mean, just awful. I mean, and as a president, I didn't think there could be a worse president than Trump, but man, Biden's doing a really good job of surpassing that expectation. I mean, unbelievable in all the crises he's overseeing. On foreign policy, he's just like, which is my primary primary area area of concern, he's done pretty much nothing positive. There's nothing I can look to. The only thing he did was actually on his first day in office when he uh, signed the New START treaty with Russia, which was about to expire. Because Trump was going to kill the last remaining treaty limiting the nuclear weapons stockpiles of the U.S. and Russia because Trump essentially was willing to have an arms race. I think he wanted one. And certainly his neocon cabinet did as well. And Biden, to his credit, signed New START. So great job, Biden. But after that, it's been just unbelievably terrible. And so, no, I have nothing positive to say about him or his policies. Solar panels. Solar panels. Yeah, solar panels. Well, great to hear that. Great to hear that. Okay.
0: Kate. Kate,
6: welcome. I guess I'd need a little more detail on the solar panels, um, but uh, I definitely agree with what you all were saying. I wanted to ask you about something sort of Michigan specific. Um, so we had five of, so we had a, a whole bunch of um, Republicans sort of eagerly running to replace Whitmer because she's been kind of awful. Um, and never fixed the damn roads like she kept saying she was going to. Um, but so we've got, had like 10 Republican candidates running for governor. And
0: uh, the governor, I just want to make sure people know who aren't. Familiar. Oh, yeah.
6: yeah. Yep. 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 Governor Gretchen Whitmer. She was briefly talked about as potentially a, like vice presidential nominee for um, Biden, because um, he had to pick from like the most prominent women politicians in the country or whatever. Um, but anyway, so five of those candidates, including the leading two, um didn't end up making the ballot um because they um hired because obviously republicans never have you know volunteers to collect signatures for them so they hired um someone to collect the signatures for them and those people um committed fraud um because apparently like there were so many Republican candidates running and hiring people to collect signatures um, that like the rates went way up and it sort of incentivized um, frauds so a bunch of them just copied down signatures and so five of the candidates didn't end up making the ballot um, and I guess sort of the only remaining one that was kind of high profile before is Tudor Dixon who was um, endorsed by the DeVos family
7: oh, um, wow.
6: so it looks like either she's gonna win or some sort of like crazy fringe person who wasn't expected to be even be able to like compete in the Republican primary is going to win. So anyways, I just, I guess I wondered if that had sort of made a national footprint um, or if it made any of the Sunday morning shows, because um, it's, it's a pretty big story here in Michigan, but I read, and it might, you know, Whitmer's not popular. She's kind of, you know, going along with the general Biden Democrat um, popularity ratings. Um, So, you know, our next governor could be pretty heavily influenced uh, just by the fact that these uh republicans couldn't get their act together and get on the ballot uh
0: i don't think that story has really penetrated the national news i don't think they mentioned it on the um shows um but sounds interesting yeah
8: to-
6: i before. i guess i'm just disappointed in in so many ways like we can end up with a. Uh, a particularly crazy Republican in office. And then there's also, I just, I really think Whitmer and, uh, Dana Nessel, who's our attorney general and let off, um, Rick Snyder, the former governor of Michigan who poisoned the city of Flint. Um, you know, like they deserve to lose. They've lost so many of their, um, you know, they haven't kept any of their promises. I mean, that was sort of the most basic thing you expected them to prosecute, uh, the Snyder administration. And instead they let them off. Um, and basically they, um, they dropped all the charges including like manslaughter charges against his administration and then they they both never brought manslaughter charges again against any of the members of the administration and they um in addition to like not bringing any charges um when they finally brought some like misconduct and office charge against him and then they messed that up and it's probably going to get thrown out um so they've just they've kind of totally let Rick Snyder off And so it's just like, there's just no one to vote for here. I mean, I'm going to vote for the Green Party candidate, but the Green Party in Michigan is like 30 people who run for office and like almost all of them have to run for office um, because you you need to get a certain number of votes to stay on the ballot. But it's not really a... I mean, I I hope it somehow becomes a viable um, party, um, but it's just kind of a staying on the ballot operation. Um, So... I, I don't know. It's kind of it's looking hopeless in Michigan politics. Um, and I just wanted to to let you know that just in case you were getting too too optimistic about um, national politics after, you know, all the the great accomplishments by Biden, like, you know, signing that treaty right when he started off, started in office. So I just want to make sure you didn't get your spirits up too high.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's much danger of that. <laughs> So glad that you called in to tell us about this we actually we had a while ago uh we had on jordan Sheridan, who did some reporting on this on the decision of the you know the whitmer administration's decision not to do anything about uh rick snyder despite poisoning people in michigan in Flint, michigan
6: yeah and i guess there's kind of a little bit of a political angle to that um too and the snyder didn't really like vocally campaigned for the Republican governor against Whitmer and then he literally endorsed Biden so there's kind of a little bit of a like trying to cozy up to the Democrats to get them to let okay. him off and 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 they yeah. did so
0: yeah anyways I, um, exactly. I love the show
6: keep it up thanks I was Bye.
0: actually surprised that Biden actually touted that endorsement but what am I thinking because Aaron did you know this that um Jill Biden is going to like um uh on Reveal a Nancy Reagan coin or something I got to find the article on this, but there's something Nancy Reagan created that that Jill Biden's doing, so shout out to Jill Biden for that.
2: I'd yeah, be cool but, if uh, that if like it, it included uh, how Nancy Reagan sold out people with AIDS, you yeah know, some kind of qu- you know, like Nancy had some terrible quotes about people with AIDS. yeah, exactly. If, if this was like an awareness campaign around that. Yeah, I'd be it was
0: down like, with that. covered in blood. If like our yeah. hands were on the coin and they were drenched in blood, then I'd be all for it. So Sounds good. Right. Just some some feedback, Jill. All right. Thanks, Kate. Right. Yeah, goodbye. Bye. All right. We got coming up, Bill. Bill.
9: Okay. Sorry, it's always really hard to get unmuted there. So um yeah. So Biden, Biden promised to get a lot of things done, um, by compromising, working across the aisle. And, uh, I guess Bernie bought into it and he definitely was in- intimately involved in the build back better, better, had a lot of things that he wanted to get done. And, and, uh, and his favorite politician, of course, is Roosevelt and the New Deal. Of course, the big difference between, you know, biden and roosevelt is that we had a great depression just before roosevelt took over and he had a massive majority in both the senate and the the house and uh there was no no opposition to speak of um i mean biden you know i know the you're uh katie and kind of speaking to you i know your uh your feelings on these things are the democrats mean to fail um and uh I just want, maybe you can extrapolate on that a little bit. I I mean, you know, I, I too, am kind of, you know, obviously I'm of course very disappointed, but, um, but I wonder if maybe it's the system more than it is the politicians. Yeah.
0: I I mean, that's like a, a huge question, obviously, but yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, the system also creates the politicians who then I think don't want to actually affect change.
9: I'm yeah, concerned. I mean, they want to get, they want to get elected, obviously. <laughs> they
0: have the same donors as the Republicans do.
9: Oh, yeah. The donors are a big problem, obviously. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, so how do we fix it? That's the thing I'm always really trying to focus on it. Um, one of the things I think it would be cool is if we could somehow elevate the, I mean, I don't see that happening tomorrow, but it's going to take a long time, but to elevate the um, the discussion a little bit to get out of the, the uh, raw, raw sports thing that we've got where it's, you know, our team against your team. Right. Yeah. We could elevate it, the conversation somehow, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that a big thing is that, and this is like kind of uh, not a very exciting uh, argument, but the combination of um, it's not going to be all like, it's not going to be all or there's not one solution. So I think it's a combination of many things, including social movements, um, and electoral stuff, but electoral alone won't work, social movements alone won't work um you gotta elect p- people who will be s- who will stand in in the way less than other politicians or will we'll be more responsive to people out on the streets than other politicians. Not very exciting
9: right and and I mean, some states have implemented that democratic dollar idea, right? Where you uh, there's some campaign finance reform, like in Arizona or a couple different states. I think might have done that. Have you heard any successes in that realm? No, or?
0: don't know about that.
9: Yeah, the idea is that you have a certain e- each ta- each uh, constituent has a certain amount of money that they can give, and uh, uh, the politicians have to agree to only accept that and. To be limited in some some respects oh, um don't know
0: anything about that
9: It's just an idea for campaign finance um I mean into- um yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I have a hard time hating Biden. he seems like a nice guy um I know like i said i know um I know Bernie likes him, so
0: yeah, that's one of the things I just like about Bernie if I'm being honest, but
9: <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, obviously, his foreign policy sucks, for sure. And he's yeah. obviously um, – I mean, hes he used to be one of the poorest people in the, in Congress. So and I still don't think he has very much money, really.
2: Mm, when he, when I he think can, he's doing okay. <laughs> I think Biden's Well, doing when okay. you compare it to the Millionaire's Club in the Senate, you know. He is in the Millionaire's Club. He is. He is now, <laughs> for sure. He's, well, after he's, he's got Even, he, a million, he,
9: even my grandpa he, has a million
2: dollars, for God's sakes. No, trust me, after Biden became an ex-vice president, he cashed in. He made a lot of money after the Obama years, and he's doing very yeah. well now. Uh, probably true. So uh, just
9: before I let you go, Aaron, there's one thing I wanted to share with you. There's this, uh, there's this program on the Internet um, called TLDR. It's like too long, didn't read news. And they, have, they published one yesterday. That some, some on the left hate NATO. Here's why. And the reason why is because traditionally the left side of the spectrum has been in favor of multinational institutions, but the further left you go, you reject those institutions because they serve capitalism.
2: Oh my God, that's so stupid. First of all, uh, a true multilateral institution is the UN, which includes pretty much everybody. NATO, by design, excludes any nation that it wants to destroy. So that's why NATO has been used not for multilateral defensive missions, but for unilateral offensive missions like in uh, Libya and Yugoslavia. So I don't like NATO, not because it's like, uh, I don't know, whatever, capitalism, blah, 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 because I don't like slavery. I don't like destroying countries that are once stable and turning them into uh, warring uh, so you, you don't know, factions, and that's what NATO did in Libya, so that's why I'm opposed to NATO.
9: So you don't think every defensive agreement between nations is inherently evil. No, of
2: course not. No, if it's genuinely defensive <laughs> yeah. if it's genuinely defensive, but that's not NATO. Well, <laughs> well ask, that's ask Libya that's,
9: it's, it's, it's defensive in the charter, so <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously maybe not in practice, but
2: well, um does it, okay, question, does practice yeah. matter? Like what's more important, yeah. practice or what's or, or, or written down on a piece of paper? I think we should live by those charters for sure. Yeah, and NATO hasn't because NATO has been used for a long time now as an instrument of U.S. power. I mean, it was – I mean, look, I think you could argue once that NATO had a genuine purpose. You know, so the Soviet Union was a thing. It was aggressive. States had the right to defend themselves against it. But the Soviet Union collapsed 30 years ago. And yet NATO's kept expanding. And when Russia proposed that it be part of NATO, it was rejected. So, which says that NATO exists, in the words of Richard Sakwa, someone who I interview pretty frequently, NATO exists to manage the risks created by its own existence. That's how I see NATO now.
9: So if there's no NATO, there's no, there's no threats anymore?
2: I'm not saying there's no threats, but abolishing NATO would significantly reduce a threat yes having the european security architecture essentially decided by the u.s where the u.s says okay if you're on our side you're in if you're not you're out is that a good and sensible approach to european security not having everybody in europe being a part of the same umbrella and you know by doing that you will have a way less chance of a war <laughs> you know um Rather than NATO, well, it which might continues. happen. It might take it might take fifty years, but it will happen eventually.
9: I mean, if we're, we already, if, we're
2: still, if NATO if NATO doesn't destroy the planet, yes, uh, ho- hopefully. Well, it, it
9: might be replaced by a, a European Union defense force. You know, I mean, there's got to be some sort of there's got. I mean, it's like I was talking about world order. You know, obviously, the breakdown of the world order means with no substitute means a vacuum. Uh huh. And, and that's what people can't. Abide by. They can't have a vacuum. You know, there's got to be some sort of replacement for it. So, um, at some point, there might be. I mean, there's a possibility for it. Um, and we should start structuring it now, and we should start lobbying for it from the left side of the spectrum because, you know, uh, you know, you get a think tank together, you start doing some planning. You say, hey, well, what would the what would this new world order look like? You know, that would be humanistic and wouldn't be so wouldn't be hegemonic and all the things that you believe in. And so, you know, we could start looking, going down that road and saying, okay, what would mutual defense look like in the 21st century that wasn't so one-sided? Absolutely. Let's do it. I agree. Okay. I no, I'll let you, you go. We, you thank, guys, All right.
0: Show. <laughs> thank Where you. you on it. All right.
9: Thanks. Bye. Thanks,
0: Bill. Okay, Jason, let me, hey, Jason, unmute yourself, please, by hitting the uh, mic icon at the bottom right of your screen. Got it. Great. Welcome.
4: Hello. Hello. Hey, I was curious on your guys' take uh, with the Washington Post and Dave Weigel. You know, a couple of days ago, how he got called out for a bad joke. He retweeted. Could you see yourself working at some place like the Washington Post where you have to be careful in your private time about what you tweet? And can I quickly add this was the same uh, lady, uh, Felicia, that she she got in trouble for uh, being very distasteful after uh, Kobe's death.
0: So what happened? I saw a reference to this, but I don't know what happened. Can you fill us in?
2: So Dave, Dave Weigel retweeted a joke that said "There's – I'm paraphrasing. I think there's only two types of women, bisexual and bipolar, and you have to figure out which one they are. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah.
4: Kind of a bad joke. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah, so, so he retweeted that, and then people got mad at him for it, and then people got mad at his colleagues for getting mad at him for, you know – and because the Washington Post issued a statement attacking him, and oh, um, Dave Weigel apologized, and uh, and so the criticism was that Dave Weigel's colleagues were basically attacking him as well. And um, I don't know. I mean, look. Uh, at the same time, I mean, can Dave Weigel handle being criticized? I, I think he can. And if people are offended by him doing that. Um, I don't see why not. I mean, I think it's it's not what I would do. I mean, I try to avoid criticizing colleagues. Although, I mean, hey, I, I'm down to criticize ex colleagues, as uh, <laughs> as you might know from following me. But um, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Right. Look, it's like that's yeah, past it, time.
2: It's like it's like you know. Yes, I get it. That it looks kind of ridiculous. That. There's this snitch culture where everyone's calling each other out for, you know, relatively benign things like retweeting a joke. But at the same time, if you're upset about something, you should have the right to say it. And Dave Weigel should be able to handle being being criticized.
4: Yeah.
0: I'm just surprised he tweeted that joke because it's so not funny.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't even the best joke.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't die on the hill.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I do think that obviously these these inter elite dramas get so much, play. like whenever I see them blowing up on Twitter, I mean not to say I haven't t- taken part in them before I have, but now it's just I can't even look at it. So I saw there was all this sniping and yeah, it would suck to work in an environment like that. I, I
4: you know it doesn't. Yeah, that was kind different. of my main question. Like, uh, how would you like effectively do your job working there when was, I mean. You'd think these people are adults.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you can also think, well, I would think that these people are adults and like not retweeting stupid jokes that are childish. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Yeah, I was just curious for your guys' take on that. Thanks for addressing it. Thanks for the call. Okay. John F. David, you're next.
0: And
10: you can just unmute um, uh, yourself. Okay, great. Hi. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I just had a quick question, really. I just want to preface this by saying I don't know shit about shit. Um, but it's more for Aaron, I guess, because he's from Canada. Um, in terms of the rampant uh, propaganda that's been spewed by the Canadian government in terms of what's going on with trade, and also at the same time, how they demonize some protesters for a a swastika flag. Um, Once this narrative crumbles, how does that leave the Canadian government uh, in terms of how they're perceived by their people? Or is it just so divided enough that they can just get away with it and just go on?
2: Okay, I couldn't hear the full question, but I think it pertained to Canada being totally in lockstep with the U.S. on the proxy war in Ukraine and That's
10: correct. And people, uh, people
2: inside, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, people inside the Canadian government, including uh, Christian Freeland, who's the deputy prime minister. She, her her grandfather was a Ukrainian Nazi, um, and she's been very openly proud of those affiliations, and still today cavorts with Ukrainian fascists. And uh, you asked, will they? Will that narrative crumble, or will they get away with it? I'm going to go with those. They're going to get away with it. They always do. They always do. It, so that's, it does that's my yeah.
10: Um One other question as well. Um, I generally don't think Justin Trudeau is really in charge of that government. And I think it's Christian, not her feeling, it, especially with mm-hmm. her recent meetings in the world of like, Uh will she be primed to take over and um, they'll just bury Justin? Um, or
2: can he somehow
10: make his way through as the front man
2: that just gets shit on? Yeah. I think uh, she's yeah. definitely, I think, being prepared to take his spot. I don't know what will actually happen. I can only guess. So I have no idea. But I certainly think she, she's definitely being positioned, I think, to take over if he can't hold on, for sure. Uh,
10: awesome. Um, just one other question as um, well. With the uh, division in America, it's, it's it's very tribal at the moment. Um, those sort of things tend to become magnified in the midst of, uh, what's what I'm looking for, catastrophe. And uh, the current inflation has gone Only just the beginning. Uh,
2: okay, John, sorry, your sound was... Yeah, inflation. Really so- it. Okay, sorry, you... Your sound was it's too glitchy, so we're going to have to... And
10: it's, it doesn't really bug well.
2: All right. Now, the app's being a little... <laughs> oh, sorry. I got really shit.
10: With so, that. there we go. Uh, well, okay. I was trying so to say... So, Daphne,
2: it. you're up. John, sorry. Hey, Because your sound was...
7: You can come back now.
2: So, go ahead. So, so Daphne, go ahead.
7: Hey. Um, amazing show. You both are amazing. Thanks. Um, I kind of wanted to answer to Bill, but I I'm going to stick with the questions i had from before uh, do, both. Do-, do both do cool, both cool cool okay i do like celebrate that there is more difference of opinions in this call now because it means that you guys are reaching more people but um this idea of like yeah biden is not that bad but of course he's not bad in foreign policies that's like that feels like the norm of americans point of view sometimes which feels like u.s supremacy because like Um, foreign policies matter there are people made of flesh and bones and feelings and memories and stories inside those countries that sometimes people have a hard time finding in the map out here (laughs) and um uh and like i feel like if people study look at biden in the 90s they will discover what a what a cruel politician he can be anyways um another two points i wanted to make is um or a question i have is I feel like um, of all the squad, people uh, haven't looked or I haven't seen um, an analysis of why Ilhan Omar uh, voted pro-Ukraine, which is the one that surprised me the most. Like, I feel like the other ones um, have less of a sensitivity towards some foreign policies, but um, from her, it was the most surprising to me. And I feel like all of her other policies are always like super thoughtful um, and I saw that she posted like um, some uh, Minnesota U- Ukrainian people uh, celebrating her support. And uh. yeah, I, I just like she's the one I'm most surprised by. And, and I feel like I don't know if she's like very protected, but I haven't seen anyone asking her like, hey, why don't you, you know, support like uh, fighting for war- for peace instead of just... Sending up weapons. Um, so I guess that's my question. If you guys have, have seen her be more, you know, someone ask her that or put her in the spot a little bit.
0: Well, part of it is that who would ask her that question, right? Like no one in the mainstream media who reaches her would ever say that because they see arming Ukraine as, as the good thing to do. They're, they support that. Yep. But are you saying like, why haven't left left media figures? gone like looked at that more
7: yeah i mean maybe i haven't even like i haven't kept up with like Mehdi Hassan and stuff but i i just um it's i just it feels like she's blinded blinded in the sense of like protected right now or or you know like maybe she has been for a while but i don't know i just think so highly of her and and i think it's my biggest disappointment yeah. <laughs> in the squad um and okay one last thing Oh, Aaron,
2: go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, part of the problem is she's been so unfairly attacked by the right that, for me personally, it makes it difficult. When she does something that I oppose so much, like voting for the Ukraine proxy war, it's like I part of me feels bad that I disagree so strongly because I've seen the attacks that she gets from the right, and they're horrible, you know? And so when but you attack her from— Sorry. No, so I'm just saying it's it's just it's it's just awkward. I just it's, yeah. but of course it doesn't mean she should evade scrutiny. And I agree, she should be questioned about it. And that's part of the problem is because she's so attacked by the right. I think that makes it even harder for people on the left to be critical of her. But I, it should happen because it's to me it's such a important. However you feel about the vote, and I detest it. Um, it's it's an important issue and it should be discussed and. This idea that they can vote for something so consequential and not even be asked about it is ridiculous, and uh, we should do that. It's, just, it's difficult to ask people questions. It's not going to happen on MSNBC. Right. No one's going to challenge someone from the left on, on MSNBC, especially on the Ukraine proxy war. It's not going to happen. So you know it needs to be done in pers- person on Capitol Hill, and hopefully someone will have the chance to do that.
0: Also, but I'm curious, Aaron, why do you feel that way? Do you feel that way towards AOC? Because she's also unfairly attacked by the right.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe this is my bias here. I just kind of like Ilhan Omar more because I think she's taken yeah. more, you know, I, I think she's taken braver sure. positions, yeah. especially on Israel. And right. she's, show, she's shown some real backbone before in the ways that I think others have not. So that's where I, you know, she she confronted Elliot Abrams once and called him a war criminal that she, yeah, she's yeah. done some cool stuff, so that's where I feel I guess more disappointed in her than in others like AOC, who I never expect much from.
0: Right, got it. Yeah, yeah. Her, she made some really great statements on like arming Ukraine. I guess before she voted for it.
2: Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Demo- yeah, she's on democracy that's right. now. <laughs> that's right. Her, Rokana, Bernie. I mean, yeah. they're all talking. You know i mean again like none of them went nearly as far as i personally would have no. before but they're really saying something sensible but it's like they've forgotten all that now all that's gone yeah.
0: hers was more recent than theirs hers was like on democracy now um but yeah she didn't vote to walk the walk
7: well thanks so much and just one more thing and i'll just uh hang up um i saw this a uh, four-part documentary series from al Jazeera by andrei nekrasov um, on like just Russian life under Putin and I feel like it would be nice if people, if you have you know, uh, friends and family that are like very anti-Russian you can direct them there because it just humanizes uh, Russians beyond you know, the elite and stuff. Okay, thank you guys. Bye. Thanks so much.
9: Thank
0: okay. Um, no war. I think no war, Chris.
11: That's right. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Aaron. Hey, um, I also wanted to just say something to to Bill really quick. Um, uh, Biden's exceedingly unlikable. Look at how he treats young women and getting in their hair. It's it's creepy and gross. Uh, one, two. He uh, he he has. Um, he said he didn't want his kids you know, in opposition to school busing, didn't want his kids growing up in a racial jungle. What kind of bigoted bullshit is that? And he was the crafter of the 94 crime bill and the bankruptcy bill doing bidding of of corporations and getting tough on, uh, quote unquote, tough on crime in a very bigoted racist way. Um, one other thing, uh, if you're not black or if you're black, or you're not black if you don't vote for me, uh, which he said to Charlemagne. Uh, so anyway, if that's not enough for you to not like Joe Biden, then I don't know what, what would be enough. Um, next, curious if you guys have any comment on Nomiki Kahn's running for uh, elected office again, and Rokana's endorsement of her.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yes, I'll, uh, I'll be interested.
2: I have a comment. I have a comment. She, she has publicly advocated Congress investigating the gray zone, the outlet that I work for. So I'm, I'm, I I hope she wins. I hope she has a chance to bring that investigation (laughs) to life (laughs) because I think it would be amazing to have. Now, of course, you know, as a state, as a state assembly member, I don't think, uh, you know, as a state senator, that's not, you know, like she wouldn't have the power to enact obviously a congressional investigation, but hopefully that could be a stepping that could be a stepping stone to being a congress member, in which then she could investigate the gray zone, and that would be hilarious. So yeah, I'm 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 rooting for. Her. She, she has my full support. Yeah. so I, knew. I, I knew. I'm not going to right.
0: tell you who the guest I have on Tuesday is, but I will be addressing this on my show on Tuesday. So make sure you tune in at 7 p.m. Uh, YouTube.com slash the
8: Katie Halper Show. Because we're going to be talking
11: about this with a special
2: yeah. guest. Uh, yeah. I will be there. And I'll say this too. I, I also just find it hilarious that, um, you know, she works for a show or is a contributor on, on the show or is a co-host on a show. I'm not sure quite what her role is. Anyway, she's a contributor on a show that is, you know, that, is, that constantly attacks other leftists that it accuses of splitting the left. You know, and like their whole thing is that like people like me are split the left, and like, but look, look at what she's doing in this vote. Is she splitting the left? Like, there's already a DSA socialist (laughs) grassroots candidate endorsed even by AOC, you know, which is like who that show claims to be an ally of, and yet, so here she is splitting the vote, which I just find so funny. And uh it's forcing them to be in awkward position. So look, I you know, I support anyone running for office who thinks they can make a difference, even if they want to have me investigated by Congress. Um <laughs> and we'll see how it plays out. <laughs>
11: I uh yeah, it's yeah, there's a lot of rich angles to it. I found it really amazing that Rokana been- endorsed straight away. Oh. Katie were you saying I don't, something? I think uh, what
0: what was interesting is I don't know if you saw Oh, yeah. Did you see on the majority report where they where she announced her candidacy? It was interesting because, like, the next day, Emma Viglund um, and Matt, Lesch, who are he's a producer, she's one of the co-hosts. They kind of walked it back, admitted that they didn't realize that there was already a DSA endorsed candidate in the race.
11: That's funny. I didn't see that part. <laughs> Anyway, I found it to be really rich and interesting, and i am be curious to watch tomorrow night when you, when you discuss it, Katie. Um, one other thing, uh, as more and more reports about the complete failings, especially of the Evaldi police, but uh, of law enforcement in general, <laughs> and it makes you like a little sympathetic to Border Patrol, which I've, I find very hard to to do in general um but they were uh i think ordered to stand down over and over again and finally it said you know essentially f off we're going in and they went in and, and shot ramos or whatever his name is his name is relevant. um are you guys supporter of defund of the police and or in any way and and what do you think about that i mean i i watch these reports that are coming about out about Uvalde and somebody, I forget who it was, was releasing their protocols uh from because you know if you're if you're unwilling to right away uh and you're scared, you know, find another job essentially that's paraphrasing, but it's it's roughly what their handbook says and clearly that's not how they behaved. Um it makes me, you know, an even stronger advocate of defund the police because they police solve like what 2% of crime. They can't go in because they're scared for their lives when when children are being slaughtered. What do I, I Anyway, I've said enough. I'm curious you guys' opinion. Yeah, I mean, I
0: think I'm a fairly I I definitely I guess I would call it um, divest the police or defund, whatever you want to call it. I think defund the police is not a good slogan, honestly. But I think that the police needs to be, uh, yeah, that the way that things are funded needs to be radically changed. Um, and uh, police do tons of jobs that they have no business doing. And then, of course, as you pointed out, they sometimes don't even uh, protect people from uh, killers. So there's that.
2: Yeah, I also think the slogan "Defund the Police." I think that has backfired on on its supporters because it turned off people who, you know, want to see their communities protected. And I think that. You know some people might dismiss that as a right wing talking point or whatever or a centrist talking point, but i from people I've spoken to uh who live in communities that are impacted by high crime and violence i i in my own personal experience, I haven't picked up much support for that slogan so but I'm certainly obviously in support of s- some massive reform and the fact that these officers in Evalde did not go in out of concern for their own safety, not out of, you know, and discarded concern for the safety of these children is that's a, this is a turning point and it should lead to some reforms. What those actually are. It's, it's not, it's not an issue that I, that I know much about, but I think certainly, you know, those who have been at the forefront of calling for reforms for a long time now uh, in tackling racism and systemic corruption and all that stuff. I mean, they should be at the forefront of this conversation.
11: Yeah, it just seems to me that 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 the idea of reforming the institution that we call police in America is maybe <laughs> too much to tackle and that we should just start over. Um, and, and, yeah, like, I don't support crime in, in communities, and I think there's some ways outside of policing to, to address that yeah. that probably wouldn't happen, you know, but more social programs, uh, helping people get jobs, th- those are the things that lower crime and that has nothing to do with policing um, and seeing the abuse of police makes me think we just got right, to, their training, their training makes them not capable of doing the job they're supposed to do. I think the training's wrong, the mentality is wrong, and and that's why... I, I personally support defunding the police and starting over, and we do need some form of law enforcement. But but this institution, sheriff's offices and police offices and state police offices around this country uh, don't seem capable of, of reforming themselves, and
2: so Got anyway, it. that's my pick. thank you, Chris, for the call. Thank yeah. you, thank you. All right, Have a good day, Amanda.
8: Good morning. Good morning. Um, um, I really appreciate the uh, additional context and analysis you guys bring to the Sunday morning shows and that you kind of soften the hard edges of it with some humor. So I just want to start there and then bring it back to a couple of quick comments on the a couple of the clips you showed. Um, ABC News continues to be using appear to be using Trump to make money. I mean on that on that story on Tom Rice running. They had a picture of Donald Trump up there where they were talking about Tom Rice. I mean they're just trying to get more whatever they're trying to do, not actually inform. And the other thing that I think I would have liked to have here, you notice is the fact why are we listening to Buttigieg, who's the transportation secretary, talking about the economy? Does he have any kind of expertise? He's, I know he's just out there as the talking head, but you get the transportation secretary to talk about the economy and he maybe mentions gas right near the end. It's kind of a, a, a bizarre choice. So, I, I, I'd like to hear what you, your thoughts are about. Why maybe they put Budaj? They could have put almost anybody there, right? Why 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 Buttigieg?
0: I think they think people like him, which is a scary <laughs> thought. But
2: I <laughs> <like him. laughs> agree. He probably also is like he probably is so excited. He loves yeah. to go on TV. That's that's how it comes off at least. So yeah, he probably you know, sends
0: what? them like his own talking points and like questions that they can ask him.
8: Mm. I guess that makes. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for what you do.
0: Thanks. Thank okay. you. Um. Oops. And Brent. And then I think we're gonna um, wrap after this. This has been great. Hi, Brent. Uh, we no, cannot hear you. We
2: cannot. If you're on Bluetooth, turn it off. Oh, oh you don't accept. Okay. Let me...
0: We can't hear you. Yeah. We gotta you got to put this on near your head. Yes,
3: yeah. we can. Yeah. So I'm at the airport, but I have a a, a question I wanted to ask Aaron. So we got disconnected because of the glitch and um, on Colin, and I just want to know from Aaron, like, I feel like the US is should not be involved in any war, any proxy war with any other country because there's so many problems here in the US. Like with med, there's no med, there's no like health insurance for everybody. There's so many problems here in in America and I feel like the US is just trying to get involved in other wars to make money off of weapons manufacturing. I think that's totally wrong and Aaron mentioned in the previous call in that um, this, the U.S. is and, you, and Ukraine are pro, like are provoking war by. Um, with, but I feel like even though um, that may be the case, I just want to ask Aaron: e- Despite the proxy war, do you feel that Russia was just? Is that justification? for Russia to invade Ukraine.
2: No, it's not. And I've uh, I've made that clear from the start. Although I do believe that Russia was provoked, I do believe Russia's grievances are legitimate. I do not accept that they had no option but to invade. War is the last resort. War is awful and look at all the horrible consequences that are happening as a result of this war inside Ukraine and beyond. And you know, Russia has claimed that it was acting to prevent a imminent invasion of the breakaway Donbass areas. And if you look at the statistics from international monitors, the OSCE, there was a huge surge in Ukrainian ceasefire violations leading up to Russia's invasion. So that could be evidence of actual an imminent attack by, by Ukraine that Russia prevented. But I don't think even there the evidence is... It has been presented yet to show that convincingly. Russia, his its only option was to invade. Because why didn't Russia go to the UN Security Council? Why didn't Russia ask for a peacekeeping mission? To me, Russia had other options. So no, um, I don't think you can say that Russia's invasion was justified. I'm just not going to pretend that the war began when Russia invaded. That's right, what I'm right. Sort of, of,
3: course, of course, of course. Like, and every time, like I hear some of the like so-called left wing, they're pushing like pro-Russia, like, I ask the same question and they say yes. And if you don't, and, they, and I, I ask them, how, how come Russia didn't do the thing that you just mentioned? How come they didn't, they didn't try to find ways for peace? And and, and they just push, like, this, the, the Donbass, they they push, like, uh, uh, neo-Nazis, and they they, they mention encroachment of NATO. Like, none of those reasons uh, justify an invasion. And I feel like people who push those things are looking to cash in on pro-Russia propaganda. And, and, uh, and it concerns me because I'm a huge, I'm a huge follower of Jimmy Dore, but not mm-hmm. once has he uh, has said that Russia had no justification to invade Ukraine. Cause he talks about Ukraine and U S he pushes U S and Ukraine to be anti-war. And I, I 100% support that. But at the same time, he's never once mentioned anything about how Russia was not justified to invade Ukraine, and I see you on his show all the time, and you don't push back on that, and it concerns me because I'm a huge Jimmy Dore can confirm this himself. I'm a huge fan. I I buy like hundreds of dollars of tickets to see his show, and I've donated tons of money to him, and I've supported him a, a okay. ton. And I feel like I hear you. Like yeah, I hear yeah. You. Listen.
2: I've never been on Jimmy's show and heard him say that Russia was justified in invading Ukraine.
3: No, but, but, but Aaron, uh, you hold know... On hold you, you, hold on. Yeah.
2: No, 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 hold on. What I know is I've gone on Jimmy's show and right after Russia invaded Ukraine, the first thing I said was that it wasn't justified. Yeah. And I don't, I don't recall Jimmy pushing but, but back I, on I,
3: me. I, I, saw a clip, I saw a clip and it's, it seemed like he cringed a little bit. He he never mentioned anything. And you, he's right to have okay. anything that he wants, but it's kind of like... Is well,
10: he,
3: well yeah. look, uh, I didn't see him cringe and I don't want
2: to get into reading his body language. He didn't. He's never challenged me when I said that it's not justified. So, look, look, listen, But whatever. Jimmy's entitled to his opinion. And I will say this, too. Yeah. I don't think anyone who supports the Russian invasion of Ukraine is trying to cash in on Russian propaganda. I don't even know really what that would entail unless you're trying to, like, make money off of a, you know, he a has Russian. people has He
3: has people on his shoulders. Hold
2: on. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What I think people who have that stance are, where I think they're coming from is I think they believe that Russia had no other options. That when you're dealing with the U.S., which is a um, rapacious hegemon that never compromises and that didn't refuse to compromise before the war, uh, and you're dealing with a situation in the Donbass where there has been a war going on for eight years. Fourteen thousand people have died. Most of them, it looks like, have died on the pro-Russian side. Um, it's really tough. And look, I'm not going to rule out. I'm not going to rule out actually the possibility that Russia was justified. That Russia had no other option. I'm actually not ruling, ruling out. What I'm saying is, from where I sit, based on the evidence so far, I don't buy it. So far, so I far, yeah, it. of course. But like, if
3: but there's I'm evidence, not, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But if Russia can pre- present credible evidence that there was an imminent invasion planned by Ukraine, then I think they'd have a case. I just haven't seen the evidence so far. The only evidence I've seen was that there was an increase in ceasefire violations dramatically um, on the Ukrainian side or by the Ukrainian side or, or by the Ukrainian government side uh, against the Ukrainian <laughs> rebels um, and um, that there was a larger uh, amassment of Ukrainian forces around the Donbass. So that could be evidence of an imminent invasion. I just don't think that case has been convincingly proved. But look, I'm I'm not going to dismiss people who believe differently than me, that believe it was justified as, you know, as just trying to cater to Russian propaganda, because there's a long history of the U.S. provoking these things and being on the wrong side. So I think they have the right to have their position. Many people in the Donbass, many people in Russia, uh, you know, I know that most Ukrainians don't support the invasion, but there are some Ukrainians, especially those who have been living under, the war for the last eight years who do support it, you know, and I don't think they're all just trying to profit off of uh, being Russian propagandists, whatever that means.
3: Right. right, It's not very
0: profitable. I'll just say that it's not very profitable to do that.
3: Right. right, I mean, to me, it it just seems like you shouldn't go to war unless it's for self-defense. That's just like maybe that's just. it's just kind of like I agree. And
2: and the Russian claim is that they were acting in self defense of huh. Russian speakers in the
3: Donbass, and I don't buy but, that. But, but, but Donbass is in Ukraine, isn't it? It's a, it's a Ukrainian it, it, territory.
2: Yes, yes, it is in Ukraine. But there are but there are Russian but there are there are ethnic Russians there who want to be a part of Russia. And I agree, uh, Russia doesn't have the right <clears throat> to go to war uh, inside of Ukraine uh, based on just claiming self defense for ethnic Russians there. It doesn't. Especially if it hasn't shown evidence convincingly that they were at greater threat than they were before, you know, before February twenty fourth. I just have but it's like that's what Russia says and um again, I don't endorse it, but I'm also not going to I you know I'm not gonna dismiss it out of hand. I I, I think that if Russia has a case, they should be allowed to make the case for it. And that the same goes for guests on on the Jimmy Dore show.
3: Right, right. Like, if Russia does have a case, then they should go to the UN and yep. present that case. And they they don't do that because why else, why else wouldn't they do that? It's because they most likely don't have a case. That's what I mean. I, I know that's kind of jumping to the conclusions, but it's kind of like if, yeah. if you have an issue of self-defense, it should be a slam dunk It should be so easy to make that case but they don't it just seems like they just wanted to invade because they they felt that ukraine was doing stuff wrong which way they were and the u.s is also by escalating the war there it's it's so corrupt and it's so wrong like it especially when when here in america there's there's no universal health care yet they're sending mil- billions of dollars for a, a proxy war it's just it's it's yes. nonsense That's yes. oh, well, right it's thank me. you,
2: thank you for the call. Thanks, thanks all for right. sharing thank all you. this, and I, all right. and I appreciate your, your 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 thoughts on this. and And these are the kind of debates and discussions we should be having. And, and let's end, you know, on on the point that Brent just raised. Let's hear it from the one and only Tupac. This is a mantra I've been repeating often. This is what Tupac says.
0: money for war but can't feed the poor that's
2: what Tupac says and that's, that's my contribution to the cause I just gotta keep repeating that until we finally do have money for the war, oh, sorry, money for the poor and not for war <laughs> Freudian
0: stuff
2: there uh, Freudian stuff, my bad alright everybody, thanks so much for tuning in we really appreciate you spending some time with us yes, usefulidiots.substack.com to get bonus content And yeah.
0: And we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, everyone.
2: Bye.
0: Bye.